reading from Acts chapter 9, 32 to 43 in the New International Version. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time and with the tanner named Simon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd just like to pray with you, Rebecca, before you come and share with us today. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for our sister Rebecca. We thank you for all of the things that you've laid on her heart to speak today. We pray for peace, for grace, and for your spirit to enliven her words and open our ears as well to hear your word. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. I wonder if you can think of a key moment in your life that changed its whole trajectory. Maybe this was a big decision, like getting married, going back to school, or maybe a big move. Or maybe one of these moments could be something that just shaped the way that you see your world, an important person that you met, a key conversation, a place you visited, or an experience you had. One of these moments for me was definitely my move to Vancouver eight years ago. Little did I know this wasn't a one-year sabbatical, but that this city would play a key role in my life, both in what I learned in my theological studies, but also in putting down roots in a way by joining this community. Today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. This is the day when we remember when the Holy Spirit was given to a young Christian community in Jerusalem shortly after Jesus' ascension. 
This was certainly one of those life-changing moments for this community, but actually one that became a key moment for the entire church, including for us today. As we've worked through Acts over this year, you may have noticed that this book is actually the continued story of Jesus himself, of his ongoing work among his people. We aren't really reading primarily about this ministry of Peter or of Paul, but we're learning about the ministry of Jesus through his church. God's kingdom is spreading to new people and to new places. And as the story progresses, we've seen God's spirit being given to the Samaritans and even to the Gentiles, as we'll see in the coming weeks. Today's passage, we're gonna step aside from the story of Saul for a while and go back to Peter. We will come back to Saul. Last time we saw Peter, if you remember, it was back in chapter eight. At this time, he heard that some Samaritans had accepted the word of God under Philip's ministry. And so Peter and John go down from Jerusalem to check this out. When they arrive, they pray for them that the Samaritans might also receive the Holy Spirit. And they do. Then Peter and John head back to Jerusalem, preaching in some Samaritan villages along the way. Today, in chapter nine, we learn that Peter has once again left Jerusalem and he's traveling about the country, visiting different communities. And what we're gonna see in our text today are two vignettes or snapshots or glimpses of Peter's ministry outside of Jerusalem. And I'm sure that these stories would have been life-changing ones by those who experienced them and by those who witnessed what happened. Maybe stories passed down within families for generations to come. In these stories, we'll see some of the impact of what happened at Pentecost, the impact of God's inbreaking kingdom in our world through his Holy Spirit. We'll look at three stories in this text, actually, not just two. So we'll see the impact of God's kingdom brings a work through his spirit in Peter's story. Next, we'll look at Tabitha's story and see how it shapes a new people. And then we'll look at the story of this community and how it forms a new family. These accounts show some of the difference that God's kingdom makes in our world today. So take, let's take a look at this together, starting in verse 32. As Peter traveled around the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Leda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Leda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. The city of Leda was actually more of a village than a city. It was found towards the Judean coast northwest of Jerusalem, and it was known at that time for wine, for figs, and for pottery. This was primarily a Jewish town, but in a Greek-speaking area. This location change away from Jerusalem in itself is important because we see that God's work is not contained to a place, but it's in a people, and not in a particular cultural or ethnic group, but it was to spread to the ends of the earth. So Peter, fresh from the revelation that God's spirit is also given to the Samaritans, which was a surprise to him, now travels to Leda, and here he meets a man named Aeneas. So first point, Peter's story. God's kingdom brings a work through his spirit. Now, 
all that we are told or know about Aeneas can be summed up in one sentence. Verse 33, there he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Although Aeneas had a Greek name, he was living in a Greek-speaking region, he was probably Jewish himself. Peter doesn't seem to hesitate at all, but speaks to him. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. And immediately Aeneas got up. So Peter simply speaks to him and he's healed. Now, if you've read Jesus's story, the story of Jesus's ministry back in Luke, this type of healing might seem familiar to you. Peter's words here, get up and take care of or take up your mat, are the same words that Jesus spoke to another paralytic. Back in Luke chapter 5, when a group of friends couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they lowered him through a hole in the roof in hopes that Jesus might heal him. In Luke 5, we read, so Jesus said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. But Peter makes an addition to this, which we see in verse 34. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. Peter had no illusion that he was doing any of this work by himself. He doesn't claim to have magical powers like Simon the sorcerer did back in chapter eight. He knows that any miracle that would happen would actually be done by Jesus. And he was not to take the responsibility or the glory for this. Peter is working in the model of his master by the power of the Spirit. And this reflection back to Jesus' own ministry comes through again when we get to the second miracle in verse 36. We read on. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was continually doing good deeds and acts of charity. And at that time, she became sick and she died, and they send for Peter for help. And the miracles described to us in verse 40 and 41. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning to the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Again, Peter seems to follow the same model as Jesus did when raising a man named Jairus' daughter from the dead in Luke 8. In Luke 8:54, we read that Jesus took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. If you remember, Peter had been one of the few allowed to stay in that room to see the miracle, so he would have seen this firsthand. And I think that we're meant to know, notice the similarities here with both these stories. Peter is healing in the authority of Jesus, in the power of his spirit. It's actually Jesus continuing his work through his people. And I find this incredibly freeing as we think about the church today and our place within it. Just as Peter received God's spirit at Pentecost, as the Samaritans and later the Gentiles received God's spirit when they believed, we also receive this same spirit when we decide to follow Jesus. And any impact that we're gonna have for God's kingdom will actually come through his spirit working in and through us. And as we saw last week, it isn't always in the spectacular, like in the raising someone from the dead, but Jesus is certainly continuing his work in our world, even in things like community and in transformed character. We see here that Acts is really his story. 
God's kingdom is at work in his spirit. So back to our text. Let's take a bit of a closer look now at Tabitha's story in verses 37 to 41. When they had washed her body, they placed it in an upstairs room. Because Lita was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him and urged him, come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. This would have been maybe about a four to five hour walk. It was 10 kilometers away. And when he arrived, they brought him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, crying and showing him the tunics and other clothing Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all outside, knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. As is common for our author Luke, he pairs two stories of healing side by side, one of a man and one of a woman. But in our text today, much more space is given to Tabitha's story. And in the way she's described, she's actually honored more than Aeneas is. While he's referred to only as a man, Tabitha is described as a disciple. And this brings us to our second point. God's kingdom forms a new people. Tabitha's story. So not only does her story draw our attention to the fact that Jesus is still working through his people, as we've just seen, but it gives us a glimpse into the place that women in particular had in the early church. Luke makes sure to note that Tabitha is a disciple of Jesus. Now, this reference to Tabitha being a disciple is the only time this particular word for female disciple is used in the New Testament. But women as disciples was not uncommon. In Luke 8, we learn of at least three women who accompanied Jesus in his travels. Mary called Magdalene, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. In Luke 10, Mary, in the posture of a disciple, learns at Jesus' feet. And in Acts 16, we're introduced to Lydia, who was a dealer in purple cloth and a follower of Jesus. And in Acts 17, a woman named Demarius followed Paul. And what do we learn about this disciple, Tabitha? We see that she had an important role in this community. In verse 36, she was always doing good and helping the poor. She was a benefactor to the widows in that community. When Peter arrived, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that she had made with them for them while she was still alive. She had an important place in this community. We know that women did play key roles in early church communities. They often had role as patronesses, benefactors, or mothers of these new Christian churches. Ben Witherington notes that women were some of the first, foremost, and most faithful converts to the Christian faith, and that their conversion led to their assuming new roles in the service of the gospel. Um, in just a few weeks from now, on the July long weekend, Dr. Lynn Kohick is going to come, and um, this is kind of her specialty, women in the early church, so she'll talk to us a little bit more about this. Um, but we do see here that the inbreaking of God's kingdom brings new freedom. We also learn here that the kind of work that Tabitha was doing was really important. Kingdom work is certainly not just about preaching and teaching, although sometimes these get a bit more prestige, but it's about living it out. 
in whatever context we find ourselves in. It's about practical care for those around us, allowing God to continue his work through us. Tabitha had been doing important kingdom work. Caring for the poor and the marginalized has always been one of the hallmarks of God's kingdom. We see this both in the Old Testament and also in Jesus' teaching. Blessed are you who are poor, said Jesus, for yours is the kingdom of God. And this ministry to widows was important. Widows at that time were marginalized. They were seen as legally defenseless because they didn't have a husband to fight for their cause. And this was especially true of women who weren't able to remarry. The impact of Tabitha's life and ministry was seen in the deep grief of these widows. She had a tremendous impact on their lives, and her life being restored would now allow this care to continue. It's important to remember that when the Spirit came at Pentecost, this same Spirit fell on both men and women. God's Spirit doesn't only cross racial lines, as we see throughout Acts, but gender lines as well. In Acts, we see this in various ways. Both men and women are accountable before God, as we see in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Both women and men are indwelled by God's Spirit, both experience suffering and persecution, and both can and will be used powerfully in God's kingdom. Tabitha's place in this community and the news of her healing bring many to Christ. Her story shows us that the inbreaking of God's kingdom brings new possibilities for women. God's kingdom shapes a new people. And finally, a new family, the story of community. This passage shows us that the Christian community itself is a new family. Now, this may not seem as big a point in this passage, but as I was reading about this, it's something that really stood out to me. In other places in scripture, when a person is brought back to life, there's usually this moment where they're given back to their family. We see this in healings done by Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament, as well as by Jesus. But in Tabitha's story, when she's raised from the dead, she's given back not to blood relations, but to the believers. In verse 41, Peter took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. At this time, in more lower-class Roman families, it wasn't unusual to include unrelated people in your family, even to help with the raising of children. And early church communities seemed to follow this pattern as well. I wonder what this means for us today. I love this picture of the church as family, and I believe it's true, but I find I do struggle to know what this looks like in practice. We live in such an individualistic society that it becomes challenging to know how to do this, to learn that it's okay to rely on people outside of our own families, to allow ourselves to be welcomed, and that allowing others to help us is not a burden to them, but it's a gift. Maybe this is something we can figure out together. God's kingdom forms a new family. And our passage wraps up in verses 42 and 43. This miracle became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. And our text ends in verse 43. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. And I think this last sentence is a bit of foreshadowing of what's about to come in the coming weeks. 
Tanning was seen as a despised trade at that time, and in Jewish communities, they were only allowed to live outside the city limits. So maybe this is a hint of God already preparing Peter for his call to the unclean Gentiles, and it sets us up for our sermon next week. Overall then, we see in this passage some of the new things that have come with the inbreaking of God's kingdom at Pentecost. As Jesus continues his work in our world, we see God works in us through, a new, through his spirit. We become a new people and we're given a new family. We see Peter here, empowered by God's spirit, working in the model of his master. We see the disciple Tabitha playing a vital role in her church community. And we see the community itself transformed into family. I think that Luke chose to include these stories, these life-changing moments, to highlight just this, that Jesus himself is working through his people, that women as well as men have important places in his kingdom, and that the relationships are shifting as the church forms a new family. What are we to take away from this? For one, Jesus is still working today, and there's freedom in this. We can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that it's not all up to us. There's an invitation here to ask God to continue to be working through our lives. Maybe a part of this is just getting rid of anything in our lives that we hold on to that might get in the way. The author of Hebrews describes it this way in chapter 12. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. As Peter imitated Jesus, as Tabitha loved her community, our lives can also begin to echo the life of our master. Along with this, God still works through unexpected people in those who may not be seen as influential in our society. He works through women and he works through the marginalized. Don't ever think that you don't have enough influence or power to be used by God. God sees so differently than we do. He'll work in the way he chooses to work and through all people who offer their lives to him. For myself, I find as a woman working in a mainly male-dominated ministry, this is a lesson I've had to learn. For years, I said that I would never work for a church because I didn't want to deal with the pushback that I believed I would face as a woman in ministry. It was a battle I just didn't want to fight. But I've discovered that you never know where you'll end up if you lay your life in God's hands. It may surprise you. And your service doesn't need to be spectacular. As was mentioned a couple weeks ago, don't under underestimate the impact of being a faithful presence. God doesn't work only in the spectacular, but in the quiet faithfulness of his people. For us, maybe doing things in Jesus' name might simply be praying a short prayer before we head off to work or school or to see friends in the morning, committing our day to God and just asking him to be at work in our lives. You never know what he might do. And finally, church today is still a new family. And as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, we can remember that we're related to each other here, maybe not by blood, but by God's spirit. And our taking of the Lord's Supper today will reflect this. 
How might God be inviting us to live out our relationships as a new family? What does this look like in our context? Again, I find it challenging to know how to do this well, but I think it's something that's worth us trying to figure out together, how to be a new kind of community. These stories of Aeneas and Tabitha were likely significant ones for these coastal communities. I bet they were told and retold over the years. What do you think will be retold about our community? What are our life-shaping moments? I'm sure that many of these significant moments are yet to come as Jesus continues his work in our midst. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are still working in us. We ask that you would open our eyes to your presence with us today, and please continue to use us for your kingdom. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.